0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of uh, My Optics, a podcast where two adult men discuss, analyze, and generally take a kid's cartoon and toy line a little too seriously. That cartoon and toy line being predominantly, but not exclusively, Transformers. I am your host, crotchety old generation Xer Orion Gear, and with me is my naive young millennial co host, Virtual Dave. Say hello to our listeners, Dave. Hello. <laughs> In this episode, we will be discussing Transformers Beast Wars. That's right, the whole line, everything. Toys, cartoon, video games, you name it. For those that don't know, Beast Wars was the third iteration of the Transformers brand after Generation 1 and 2, and launched in 1996. Now, Generation 2 doesn't really count, but... Anyway. At the time, the brand was floundering, G2 had been a bit of a flop, and Hasbro needed to do something drastic. Or... And they were really considering this, end the line for good. Thankfully for us, they chose the former and took the brand in a brave new direction. The toy line was handed over to the newly acquired Kenner, who had had a massive success with Star Wars, and they radically revamped the franchise. Mechanical alternate modes and traditional hand-drawn animation were out, and organic animal or beast modes and cutting-edge CGI animation were in. For existing fans of the Transformers, it was controversial then and still is now, both in and of itself and in regards to the wider implications it had on the mythology and the brand. But it was a huge hit and indisputably saved the Transformers from the scrap heap. Right, well I'm going to stop talking for a bit, and in order to do so, I'm going to ask you, Dave, what was your experience of Transformers Beast Wars both then and now?
1: Um, Beast Wars for me was... um. A Saturday morning cartoon that I used to watch a lot and I have to admit at the time I did not know it was Transformers that I was watching and you could argue that to meet my age
0: but were were you aware of were you aware of Transformers at all uh
1: vaguely I don't think I was much of a Transformers fan at the time Mm. I just knew who was who
0: but you thought this this was a different thing to Transformers I didn't
1: think that it was, or it wasn't, even though it says Beast Wars Transformers. Mm. I don't think I associated the two at the time. I really liked it. It was one of the few programs I would catch my dad watching with me. He would always get into the Mm. storylines as well, rather than, you know, complain that I'm watching TV. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, being a guy who grew up in the 80s on G1, I was 17, I think, when Beast Wars came out, so for me it was completely uninteresting. I was mildly aware of it, and to be honest, I was very much in the uh, truck not not monkey camp. Orion Gear is referring to the phrase truck not monkey, a tongue-in-cheek phrase used by Transformers fans to describe fan outrage over change. It first occurred as a reaction to Beast Wars, and in particular, the belief of G1 purists that Optimus Prime should be a truck and not a damn dirty ape. I was like, this doesn't look like Transformers at all, and I don't like it. (laughs) I wasn't paying that much attention, like I say. I was only a couple of years off going to university, so I was more interested in music and uh, attracting the opposite sex than I was um, (laughs) watching kids' TV shows. But yeah, um, my experience of it was originally quite negative. And then years later, I got back into Transformers off the back of Robots in Disguise because I saw a few Robots in Disguise toys in Toymaster and thought, well, these look pretty good. And I have to admit, the the attraction of them was that they were vehicles again. But after picking them up, I started looking into what I'd missed, looking back through all the various series that had happened between G1 and Robots in Disguise and started posting on and uh, reading Transformers message boards and it quickly became apparent that Beast Wars had been quite a big deal. A lot of people were still very against it but there were a lot of people whose opinions I respected saying you should check this out this is actually a really good show. Yeah, And I did and I loved it. I think I loved it that much that I got past any concerns about the aesthetics of the toys and the character designs? Because in all honesty, I wasn't a big fan at first.
1: <laughs> I think the toys were not much of a factor for my, my liking of the show initially, because I didn't get a lot of the Beast Wars toys until much, many years later. And then when I did, they were very <laughs> of their time where I started collecting like uh, uh, the Unicron trilogy toys. and they basically were like exactly how they looked on the show, whereas a lot of the Beast
0: Wars toys looked
1: nothing. Well, yes and no. Just random characters who were not in the show, shall I say.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there are a lot of um, toys that were not in the show at all. But that was a lot to do with the fact that it was cutting-edge CGI. Oh, yeah. Mainframe, the guys who made it. I mean, I only learned this the other day. They they became famous by making that video for... um um. Money for nothing. Really? Um, wow. Die stra- Straits. Die straights. Money for nothing. They made the video. Have you seen it? No. Wow. Um, really, kind of boxy little computer animated guys, removal guys. Check it out.
1: I feel like I I feel like it's it's been brought up before. Like I'm sure I've seen it, but I just didn't know they made it.
0: Yeah. To go back to that, it was very expensive making a CGI show at that time. It was you know 1996 and Mainframe had previously made reboots, and then there was this, there wasn't much else CGI wise.
1: No. So
0: they had to be economical with the number of character models they made, which in turn meant that a lot of the toy line wasn't wasn't represented in the show. However, they got to spend so much time concentrating on those those characters. Yeah, tw- I think it's I think it's fourteen characters in the first season. Something like that. Total, yeah. and they all got a bit of attention and continue to throughout the whole three seasons and through into Beast Machines as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I guess that kind of comes down to how I was exposed to it in the first place. It was, it was not a show that I could um, always watch. So it was, if I miss an episode, I miss an episode. And because it's so story driven, mm. if you miss an episode, sometimes that could be a very good, <laughs> important episode or characters introduction or yeah. all sorts of different things.
0: Well, that's the thing, actually. I mean, that's what kind of surprised me, actually, because when we were talking offline about this, um, you said you've not seen it all. I've not seen it all. That's crazy. <laughs> when I when I watched it as an adult, I watched it all in order, because why wouldn't I? But obviously, if you're watching it as a Saturday morning show, mm-hmm. much like I was watching mm-hmm. things like Generation One or He-Man or um, Mask or whatever, as Saturday morning shows, I wasn't watching them in order. Most of the TV networks weren't even showing them in order. <laughs> so I can absolutely understand that. Yeah. In a way, it was quite brave of them to go with such a kind of strong episodic narrative.
1: Well, I guess it, it kind of worked because, I mean, even though I saw a handful from each season, I still loved the show, like, from what I saw. I guess it was that strong of a story being told that it could carry it on that. Well,
0: to be fair, every episode can be viewed standalone pretty much, most of them anyway. There's a few two-parters here and there. Yeah. But generally, even if it does have a story element that is picked up in a later episode, normally each mm. episode is a, con- is a self-contained story. Yeah. I like to compare it to Star Trek. Every episode is, is a story in itself, but then it all kind of adds to a whole mm. at the end.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Ah! My optics! I always wanted the Beast Wars toys, but I don't think I got any until a lot later.
0: Yeah. Well, I was tracking them down in the early days of eBay, as it were. You wouldn't be able to do it now without spending a whole heap of money. I could imagine so, yeah. (laughs) But like back then, you're just looking at people who have mislisted stuff. Transformers without the S. (laughs) Transformer truck or whatever. And then it's like, oh, oh, great. (laughs) I've got myself a a Generation 1 Power Master Prime. (laughs) Can't get away with that now like i said i was that impressed with it that i picked up all the toys and the toys the toys were great they were much more articulated than the um generation 1 stuff they had a completely different look and feel they were very different i mean mostly because mostly because it was a different toy company doing it essentially kenner were in charge
1: i i think that's another another aspect of it i didn't really um well as i got older and i realized which toys were from generation 1 and which toys were from various other seasons that followed mm-hmm. show accuracy if you want it really really kicked in like beast wars onwards and it's because of that whole that whole fact of the different people making the toys and budget that was put into making them look like the show or which order it was made
0: well it's, it's not just that i mean the toys you know there's a lot of kind of synergy going between the tv series and the toys yeah whereas the first two years of generation one were toys borrowed from other toy lines um so they're going to look a bit mismatched and odd and when you make a tv series about out of it you're possibly going to want to kind of change it a bit so it all looks a bit more kind of coherent you don't have a ratchet with a windscreen for a face and you you have to change the way Scott, uh jetfire looks because otherwise you'll get in trouble with uh, the guys who make matt that kind of thing mm. whereas yeah the, was it was it was easier for them to to deliver show accuracy because the toys and the TV show were being developed in tandem. Do you remember at the
1: time was the toys seen in high regard, even though people might not like the
0: show? I do not know. I wasn't really interested in in the whole toy collecting area. I mean, I I had zero toys when I was seventeen. Right. I would moved on to. Other things (laughs) from what I understand is that the toy line was pretty well well it was it was well received it was very popular it sold really well and it it saved the franchise G2 had sold really badly it was a bit of a marketing mess Mm. interestingly G1 ended in America and then it continued in Europe for quite some time afterwards
2: Mm.
0: and because of the strength of the of the G1 line in Europe they decided to bring out G2 because they were like, well, these are selling. And, you know, even though we stopped it here in the US, let's, let's bring it back out again. Unfortunately, it didn't really work because it was just, yeah, the same stuff warmed up. <laughs> and it wasn't, well, it was supported by a cartoon, but it was supported by the G1 cartoon. And it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. It makes sense. There was a comic, but, you know, who reads, who reads comics, eh?
2: Yeah! My
0: so, um... While we while we're talking about the toys, let's let's talk about the the toy lines toy lines themselves. Uh, there were three series of or three seasons of Beast Wars, and each had a distinct toy line that went along with it. Uh, mm-hmm. The original line, Organic Beasts. Then, season two, you had fusers and transmetals. Fusers being two animal modes slapped together into some kind of Freakish amalgamation, <laughs> and then Transmetals, which was basically the the characters from the from the first show turned inside out because you had yes. organic robot modes, as crazy as that sounds, mm-hmm. um, and mechanical beast modes, mm-hmm. and then the final third season, Transmetal Twos, which were a mishmash of everything in both modes. <laughs> so, you know, you had bits of bits of robot, chunks of flesh hanging off here, wires poking out the side, everything was really asymmetrical.
1: And they were all kind of like triple changes of some description and they had like another mode. Most of them
0: did, not, not all of them, but yeah, a lot of them did. Yeah. I don't think Dinobot 2 had one, but like- Okay, okay, yeah. But definitely, yeah, Megatron had, well, he had a tank mode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was pretty awful. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you did have that. But I mean, you, you did have third modes for some of the guys in transmetals as well. Not for the first time, and certainly not for the last. Dave and Ryan are mixing up transmetals and transmetal twos. The third mobility modes were more a feature of transmetals than they were transmetal twos. Yeah. Because you had um well. Rampage and uh Depth Charge were both Transmetals. Mm-hmm. They had third modes. Um Megatron, Transmetal Megatron had a third mode which is basically a dinosaur <laughs> on roller skates with fans on the side. <laughs> yeah and Optimus Prime had his uh uh surfboarding monkey mode. <laughs> Great. I mean what, what was your experience of the toys anyway like when did you first come in contact with them? Um I vaguely
1: remember seeing Optimus Primal, the very first monkey Primal in a random toy shop Mm. um, when I was little and always wanting it. But I never got any of the first season toys until much later I got a lot of the um, Mm Transmetals. Somehow I persuaded my parents to get me the um, Optimal Optimus. Oh, really? Yeah. And that... God, I used to love that toy. It was brilliant. It's, It's a great toy. Yeah, I don't think I got many of the fusels or anything else it was just probably just a handful of transmetals. and then i got some of the others further along
0: but yeah for me i they passed me by when i was well, at the time because i wasn't really into transformers at the time but when i got back into transformers my, i think my earliest experience of of beast wars figures was through the universe line because they were repainting them oh uh, yeah for the universe line on a whim um i got universe razor claw that was a evil repaint of tiger hawk yeah. beautiful figure really mm-hmm. nice I, i'd probably go as far to say as that deco is possibly nicer than the original deco oh wow really yeah and i did have both at one point oh, okay. so yeah it's it's really really nice figure yeah for me that's how i got introduced to them but the, the wonderful thing about the toys were like the play value to some of them was I mean, look at that first Optimus Prime, the ultra Optimus Prime. Orion Gear really means Optimus Primal. He just keeps repeatedly getting it wrong. That's bristling with play value and gimmicks. And it's and it's still a very poseable figure, yeah. but it's got pop-out missiles and a, and a mace in his arm. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on there. I mean, <laughs> the value for money, the value for money is
1: fantastic it's great that it was um it was at that era of like stuff is tucked away and included in alt modes and stuff because yeah i mean the chances of losing all those bits and pieces otherwise would have been it was a genius move for them because uh, i mean you just look at any time you see a g1 toy and like their hands are missing or something's gone away then no one knows where their gun is but at least with all that stuff it's all tucked away into a pocket or a yeah or
0: yeah, exactly. That was really great. That was one of the things Beast Wars brought in the integrated weaponry. Like everybody, well, pretty much every figure had a weapon, and it would it would store in robot mode and alt mode. And I, I like the distinction between the three three sections of the toy line as well. Like there was a very different vibe to season two and season three to season one, and it got more and more asymmetrical and kind of crazy as it went on. I mean, I remember first getting hold of some of the Transmetal 2 stuff and just thinking, these are nuts. Mm -hmm. Transmetal 2 Cheetor. He's got like a blade coming out of one Mm -hmm. shoulder and and, and like a pop-up bit of of vacuum metal panel on one leg or arm that pops open and you can see his spark Mm -hmm. crystal. It's all very lopsided and strange. (laughs) And even his face is nuts. I I think it was... um... It was nice
1: that they had that. It's Transformers, isn't it? Where they all had their names on them, in some shape or form. Uh, yeah, they'd
0: have like Cheetor or Rattrap yeah, or, <laughs> or Optimus written across one peck.
1: I mean, I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous, but it's, it's just <laughs> like a weird thing from the toy line. I
0: just, I appreciate, you know, it's just that's always the funny thing for me when when we kind of moved away, started to move away from um, robots in disguise, mm. in inverted commas, into robots blatantly advertising their robots (laughs) like the the g2 optimus prime with optimus prime Prime. blazing down his trailer yeah (laughs) and um figures like um what's it called now the um thunderclash
1: thunderclash oh yeah (laughs) he's
0: got he's got transformers written on him in like nine different places previously you'd be like Oh I don't know if uh, I don't know if it makes an awful lot of sense that he's got like a Autobot logo on his hood. <laughs> now he's got his bloody name written on it. And he's got Transformers <laughs> who, written across the top of the windscreen and uh you know it's
1: interesting it, because because you, you mentioned that because I, off the top of my head I don't think you really had blatant insignias or logos of Autobot or Maximal displayed on the toys except on the spark crystals right?
0: No a lot of them didn't a lot of them didn't actually have Maximal symbols on them, or uh, Predacon symbols. What? They added them later, sometimes. They also had um, the rub signs as well, at one point. They? Yeah, they brought, I can't remember what they were. Oh. I think they're called Energon chips. Yeah, I know. Oh,
1: who has them? Um, don't they have that in Beast Machines as well, or...? So, no, no, maybe
0: not. In Beast Machines, they had like a spark crystal behind like a kind of transparent um dome. Oh, okay. You could, you could see their insignia behind it. But um, I don't think it was in the first wave few waves of Beast Machines. Oh, sorry, Beast Wars. I think they brought them in and they were basically the same as the Rob signs, you know, uh having G1. I t- I...
1: I had one, but I can't. Oh, it was it was a fusel. It was the one that's like a mammoth and the shark or whale. Oh, um... Talker? talker, yeah,
0: talker, yeah, crazy looking
1: yeah. thing. Yeah, I had that. That yeah, that had the rub symbol. Yeah, I was trying to think who who it was and where it was, but yeah, okay. Ah, my optics! Every time we talk about this, I still don't understand what people's difficulty with grasping the whole beast wars thing at the time because. If it was doing so badly, <laughs> I don't understand why something different was not welcomed.
0: You do know what fandom's like, don't you? I do. I do. I
1: do. <laughs> okay, because I, I, I can only compare it to the times I was collecting. And every time a new toy came out, or a new figure came out, it was the new hot thing. And like everyone needed to have it. Like Every time there's a prime that comes out, people will scramble to get him.
0: People want things to stay the same. They don't like the same things warmed up like G2, but they weren't expecting this kind of like massive departure. I mean, this was, we were going to talk about this anyway. So we'll do, we'll talk about it now. The truck, not monkey thing was huge within the fandom. But like I said earlier, the toys sold. It was a hugely popular toy line. It's a hugely popular TV show, but within the at the time, much smaller and much less influential adult collector market or enthusiasts, there was a divide. There were people who accepted it or liked it, and then mm. there were people who just wouldn't, because it just wasn't their Transformers. It's interesting that that's the, the outcome.
1: Well, now no, it, it, it makes sense when you put it that way, when it's just down to a fandom.
0: Like I say, it was still very, a very popular toy line. But if, even for me, when I saw it, I was like, well, this isn't Transformers. They've ruined it forever. <laughs> because it's so jarringly different. And it felt completely disconnected. I mean, if if you watch the show, it, it gets more interesting when it starts tying back to G1. I guess
1: maybe it's probably why we, I know me and you have such a disconnect with the live action films. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this the other day that they saw such a, it has such a massive fan base. I don't know. It kind of is another type of Beast Wars type of thing because it did really reinvigorate the brand for so long. Yeah, and it's probably why it's been carried on to the to the day it is now while we're even discussing these new shows.
0: Yeah, and that's I think that's what Beast Wars did. It it showed that you could reinvent the brand, you could shake things up. And you can live with upsetting a few people because you'll get a bunch of new fans. New people. Mm.
1: I guess that's it. But it's the difference is that the films are not great content, whereas Beast Wars
0: actually turned out to be. (laughs) But some people really love them. I agree with you. I think they're absolutely shocking. But people like them. The box office figures for those movies, especially the first yeah. Two or three mm-hmm. were massive. It was huge. It was a massive hit, even though they were complete dog shit. <laughs> but, you know, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> My so let's talk about the show. I mean, what I thought was great about the show was that, yeah, you had a small cast. So you had a lot more character development going on. The individual characters were all given enough space to grow and change. Even though you'd have some toy-led kind of reformatting going on, Mm -hmm. the change from season one to Transmetals and then Transmetal 2, not everybody changed. No. (laughs) Just some of them, you know? And that, again, probably due to limiting character models and all that kind of stuff. But, again, it meant that everybody had a different kind of trajectory within the show. And they all they all had very interesting characters. The voice acting was fantastic.
1: Yes, I think it's probably one of the biggest things about the um, Beast Wars is is the voice acting.
0: It's, it's fantastic. It's amazing. I can't compare
1: the voice acting to something like um, Siege, yeah. for example. No. There's not like a, a standout voice or a. Person that I think that is a definitive voice for this character. It does; it's not the same. No, and not for everybody as well. Like it's not just Prime and Megatron; it's everyone.
0: Yeah, every character in in Beast Wars has a distinct voice and personality. Yeah, and that's not one hundred percent, but almost one hundred percent down to the voice acting. Of course, it's down to the writing as well. But like. And oh, well, I can't remember the name of the guy, is it Scott? Scott McNeil. He did like t- six or seven different characters. <laughs> and he's crazy. Have you seen interviews with him? Yeah. He's, he is, he's a, he's a very strange individual, but amazing. The range there, like, because I, I think he did Waspinator. Mm-hmm. I don't know, did you, did you do Dinobot as well? Dinobot, Silverbolt so, so, as well. Scott McNeil is certifiably insane. And in addition to auditioning for every role in Beast Wars, voiced Rat Trap, Dinobot, Waspinator, and Silverbolt, as well as a few extra bits and pieces. The most roles of any one voice actor on the show. And they're all very fun, interesting yeah. characters. And Beast Wars was a fun show. It didn't take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Despite having a serious plot with some very big kind of important stuff happening in it, Mm-hmm. It still poked fun itself. It broke the fourth wall every now and again. Mm-hmm. When you compare it with the kind of very dry <laughs> co-faceness of War, of War for Cybertron, there's, there, there's no fun in Siege or Earthrise. Do you think that will continue in Kingdom? Do you think that we'll get some of that light-heartedness? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I think the closest you get to something verging on comedy is... Occasional weird quips from uh, Wheeljack or something. Yeah, about McAdams or whatever it was. Yeah, but that's, i mean—the the comedy was fantastic. There's a little bits, little nods to the fandom, nods to the toy lines. That whole line about uh, die-cast manufacturing—it's a lost art. Yeah, <laughs> and that was all because the guys writing the show. They realised some way into the first season that they needed to get the fans on board, and they started talking to and posting on the Transformers forums at the time, and got in contact with a number of fans. and I, I think his name's uh, Benjamin Yi. Correction: Benson or Ben Yi was a fan posting on alt.toys.transformers, whilst Beast Wars was in production. Beast Wars principal writers and story editors, Larry Tillo and Bob Ford, regularly interacted with the fans through this news group and formed a friendship with you and others. you would later get a shout-out and become a Transformers consultant on the show, which would lead to further direct involvement in the franchise in the future. Ended up becoming a consultant on the show, and he was just like a huge Transformers fan, wow. basically. Okay. Which, for me, made the show infinitely better. I mean, I really liked it, but... When you start finding out or you know, the connections to G one, it gets really exciting.
1: I think the most interesting thing I took from the series is how it kind of was like changed the script on a lot of things in the law, like protoforms and sparks and yeah. Stasis lock and a lot of different language from that show has been continued on from almost every iteration since.
0: Yes, it added loads of stuff to the law that has been, yeah, continued from that point onwards. Um I think that's just a testament to how strong the writing was. If it's good, you keep it, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah For me, when they started kind of like harking back to the old wars and talking about um, my aunt R.C. and all this kind of business, <laughs> that was that was kind of a nice joke. But then when you suddenly start uh, spoilers, you find out that this golden disc that um, Megatron turns up with in in the first episode. Because a bit of background for anybody who's not watched it. The whole season opens with two spaceships coming out of a a transwarp portal. And they're fighting. You have the Maximals led by Optimus Primal. And they're redirected to intercept these fugitives who have stolen a Maximal artifact called the Golden Disk. And end up crash landing on this planet, which has two moons, I think. Yes. But it's populated by Earth-like creatures. It transpires that the leader of the Predacons, who are criminals, who have stolen this, uh, this, this disc, is called Megatron. But he's not the Megatron, he's just named himself after the Megatron, because mm-hmm. uh, he's a big fan. <laughs> yeah, this disc was a map to Earth, and he's trying to find Earth because of the huge amount of energon, apparently, that there is there for some reason but then very cleverly they work into the whole plot that actually that's what he's telling everybody but, but Megatron's mm. a very Machiavellian kind of character and in reality he knows that there's a secret message on there from G1 Megatron uh, which mm. is basically saying if, if in the future we lose uh, anybody who who re- who reads this message needs to travel back in time and kill G1 Optimus Prime before he wakes up <laughs> and then we'll probably win the war and it turns out they are on prehistoric earth and the ark and the nemesis are on earth having crash landed there at some time previous to the beast wars guys turning up because they went they time traveled that's it's genius. I thought it was fantastic the way they're going to tie it all together.
1: It's a, it's a really good concept that many different types of shows do not handle very well when time travel is introduced, but I think it's a very solid story.
0: Mm. And what I liked about it was that it was not obvious. Yeah. There's so many shows these days you watch and it's things are so telegraphed. And it wasn't like that at all. I mean, when I started watching it, I watched it off, off of uh, recommendations, but no one, n- luckily no one spoiled it for me. <laughs> they just said, it's great. You should watch it. They, they may have mentioned that it does tie into G1, but not the way it did it. Mm. I was blown away because the storytelling's fantastic. And I mean, it it loses, the, it loses its way a little bit in season three, but it's pretty solid. And some of the characters and some of the episodes are amazing. <laughs> My I think you wanted to discuss this, actually. Uh, best yeah. worst characters. Who's your... Uh, would you want to do worst first or best? Okay, we'll do worst first. Okay, well, who's your least favourite character from Beast Wars?
1: Um, I think it's probably going to be the same as yours. I think it is Scorpionox or Scorpionok. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: from that whole season one cast, I don't think he was like a very impactful character as some of the others like he was very just um, yes megatron no megatron type character Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't i don't think he was the best character for me from the show
0: no he was he was very one note Yeah, he didn't do an awful lot
1: yeah i mean even there was the handful of times where he would you know have an invention or something um which i think did lead to one of my favorite episodes he's the one who makes the (laughs) The bee that attaches to primal,
0: yeah. The uh, the bee drone thing, yeah, that makes him go super, super rage. Yeah, is it guerrilla warfare? I think that might be the name. Oh, of that. That's it, yeah. No, no, that's fantastic, but but that's the one time, and after that point, he's just so dumb and boring,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not, he's not even,
1: it's not even like the same way. Like, now, now, carry on, go. what's your your worst?
0: Well, I mean. I agree that Scorponok is bad, but he's not nearly as bad as Quick Strike.
1: Well, see, I like like I said, I didn't see all of the episodes, so my my knowledge of Quick Strike is very limited to like a handful of episodes.
0: Season one, absolutely agree with you. Season one, Scorponok, the worst character, just because he's not much of a character. He doesn't do an awful lot. Yeah. Doesn't really he's one of the few that doesn't really get fleshed out that much, and he gets kind of like unceremoniously killed off at the end of the first season and it's like right we're done with him fine <laughs> but quick strike is just an offensive stereotype <laughs> he just does my head in he's just such a knob i just don't like him with his silly his silly cowboy voice and uh he's very kind of uh almost misogynistic attitude towards uh towards the female characters. I find it very
1: interesting that they chose that character model for that slot.
0: Yeah, of
1: all the Fusors. So him and Silverbolt come at the same time, right? Yeah, coming at the Fusors, it's called. And like of all the ones that kind of look organic to fit in season one, he looks almost like a transmetal from the get-go.
0: Yeah, Silverbolt makes sense. I mean, both characters are huge stereotypes. Yes. But, yeah, Silverbolt toy and model makes more sense even though it then doesn't make an awful lot of sense that they bring uh tiger hawk in later cuz tiger hawk's so similar looking in a way but yeah i mean th- there's so more, so many really cool looking fusors yeah they chose two very strange ones well one particularly strange one uh in strike but i wouldn't mind so much if strike wasn't such a cock <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing likable about him Whereas all the other uh, Predacons and Maximals have likable traits. Yeah. So yeah. So who's your favorite character?
1: Um, Without a doubt, it's Depth Charge.
0: Really? Okay.
1: I mean, I know that personally I have a big fan appeal for Mm Tigatron. But I really, really (laughs) really like Depth Charge's introduction, subplot of just like, I don't care what your war's about. I'm on my own mission. Yeah. And I'm going to do it as a manta, <laughs> manta Ray. No, he's fantastic. I, I, I really like him.
0: <laughs> no, no I, I I agree. I mean, I, would, I don't, he's not my favourite character, but I think he's fantastic. I like the fact that he just turns up and he's just, he doesn't give a shit about Primal's War. No. He's like, I'm here because I've detected Protoform X. That's <laughs> the only reason I'm here. I'm hunting him down and that's it. And I don't care about whatever petty nonsense you've got going on with that Megatron guy. Yeah, Leave me out of it. And obviously, eventually, he comes around to it and he realises that he's got to help the Maximals out. But I, that attitude is really great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, do, I do like him. And he's, in, he's a cool-looking Transformer. He is. He is. The toy was a little bit iffy because he had to incorporate that disc-firing mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> but it still... I mean, I had the toy. It looked great in Manta Ray mode, le- less so in robot mode just because, just because of the way it worked with the big kind of tail hanging off the back button. That's probably
1: what it is. It's like if he made a manta ray look cool. Mm-hmm. You know, the toys did that as well. Out of all alt modes, you would think would be a, a total badass of a character. Manta
0: ray is not the first <laughs> creature that comes to mind. Again, when we were talking about why would you choose quick strike mm-hmm. out of all the fusils, in a way you could probably say the same about why would you choose a manta ray, but they hadn't had an aquatic, um, aquatic character up until then. Uh, no. And also... They chose another big robot to be hunting down the other big robot. Like him and Rampage are kind of similarly sized. Toy wise, they were the same. I think they're the same class. I think they were Ultras. Yes, right. And they were both really good toys. Like I say, the disc firing thing was a bit of a problem, (laughs) but it looked great in Manta Ray mode. And he had that little shark that was also a gun. Brilliant. They both had a third mode.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, great. My favourite character, it's its always going to be a toss-up between Dinobot and Megatron, but I'm probably going to say Megatron just because, I mean, Dinobot is flawless. Dinobot is fantastic. But Megatron only wins because he was in the whole thing all the way through to the end. <laughs> he was, And he was even one of the few characters that went through to Beast Machines and was still cool. Yeah, no, it's... I almost tried not to pick
1: Megatron and pick someone different, but mm. I completely agree with you. I get it. It's that Megatron has almost become like uh, how you would, or how I hear um, Kevin Conroy when it comes to Batman. Like mm. whenever that comes up is that I hear that first.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Before, yeah, he's the best Transformers villain, bar none. Yeah, I refuse to entertain the idea that anybody is better. He pisses all over G1 Megatron. <laughs> Can I upset people there I'm sure. Just due to his complexity and his the nuance of his character is is really interesting and he's you know he's not just driven by being evil. He's got a goal. He knows mm. that that the people he's working with are a a bunch of idiots, traitors, crazy folk. But he understands every single one of them and knows what they're going to do. He's very calculated. He has it all worked out, which I find really interesting. Sometimes mm-hmm. ridiculously so. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he seems to know what's going to happen when really there's no way he could have known. He also seems to be able to see everything. <laughs> Just that all of a sudden he's, he's like watching, uh, watching what's happening in the axelon. And it's yeah. like, how's he doing that?
1: He has a lot of spies and drones in that series, if I remember right. <laughs>
0: Again, massively down to David Kaye and his his voice. Uh, that voice is so great. It's probably be
1: why I resonate those two so much as well, because they're also the voices in the Unicorn trilogy. Mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, you can tell that there's a big difference in like the voice acting in those those series, but it's such a, become such an iconic. Voice for Megatron,
0: yeah, 100%. It's all the extended, yes, business. Yes, no, yeah. again, comedy timing. Like, he was funny, like I said, Machiavellian, very kind of a mustache twizzling villain. I really love that.
1: He really did. He would probably have like bubble baths a lot of the time and he would just <laughs> bash his teeth on his little T-Rex
0: mode. And... Exactly. He had so much character and it was, it was imbued in, in him through the voice acting and also the animation. They really went to town on him. My second line is Dinobot. His whole code of honour and how that kind of affected how he acted and what he did. Mm. And how he, he starts as a kind of outsider in the Maximals and by the time he heroically sacrifices himself... You all feel invested in the character mm. and very sad about what's happening.
1: Even the, even the characters in the show were like, I mean, a lot of the times when Transformers die, it's kind of, oh, all right, some of you guys are gonna fall from a stasis pod soon, so it'll mm-hmm. be fine. But yeah. <laughs> you like really got the feeling that they all cared that he died. And even Rattrap. Even Rattrap, he's his biggest hater, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but they had a love-hate relationship, didn't they? And they, they eventually understood each other. Yeah. Uh, which is really good. Yeah, I'd say those are my two. My favourite is Megatron, but only only because Dinobot was slightly watered down by him coming back as Dinobot 2. And it was a bit, eh. oh, yeah, he did yeah. the right thing when he counted at the end. But that was kind of, oh, we didn't need that. I was happy for him to die <laughs> there and then in in Code of Hero. That was perfect.
1: More, t- more toys, more toys.
0: In a way. It was delightfully evil of Megatron to do that.
1: To <laughs> bring him back.
0: Yeah, and make him <laughs> compliant. So, in, in a way, it added to how great Megatron was as a character. But there's so many good characters. Like, you know, choo- choosing your favorite is so difficult.
1: I think, it, kind of like the show in general, that had an amazing array of characters. But when you want to pick your best, he doesn't need to be one, I think. You've, you've kind of summed it up there with your viewer Megatron because he he's one who's been up for the entire three seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, you <laughs> might have won me over.
2: My
0: Beast Wars was quite different in Japan. The Beast Wars show came out, that was on television in Japan. They did some interesting stuff with them. The, you know, they dubbed them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Interestingly made Air a guy which made it a bit strange for the kids watching. Uh, was it ever explained why they made that change? It was like... I'm sure that there's some information somewhere. Orion gear is half right. There is some information, but it's quite thin on the ground. The original Airazor toy was not developed with a particular gender in mind. It was the aforementioned Larry DiTillo and Bob Ford who made that decision as they wanted a larger female presence in the show. However, the reason she was switched from a she to a he in the Japanese dub is unclear. Popular theories include girl characters selling poorly in boys' toy lines, or Takara simply working from older material from Hasbro, where it was assumed that the character was going to be male. It was it was a much more, a much sillier tone anyway, apparently. But yeah, okay. uh, Airazer was a guy. I suppose Airazer doesn't look particularly feminine. Not in the same way Black Arachnia does. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, they had they had Beast Wars on the telly, and then while they were spending the time doing the dubbing and the localization on uh, seasons two and three, they had a gap in their TV schedule, so they were were like, oh, "Well, just make some more shows." So they made Beast Wars Second and Beast Wars Neo that were just completely unrelated to the uh, to the previous show. They were hand drawn animation they had two completely different toy lines out that that barely saw the light of day in the us and the uk and so on it's such a weird pocket of transformers
1: history on its own that a lot of little tidbits of those characters and they kind of filter into different toy lines or whatever is the yeah but yeah it's it's really cool those (laughs) those shows
0: (laughs) well i mean and and they made a Transformers first by creating the first Optimus Prime mm. with a mate with a working matrix chamber. Oh yeah, which yeah. was a big convoy, mm. uh, and I picked up the Korean version of that um on eBay or something. Great toy, bit of a shell former, obviously, but really, really fantastic toy. As transforming mammoths go, it's pretty great. <laughs> yep, the- Like the head of the mammoth turned into a cannon. Yeah. And if in fact there was like a third mode where you could like pull the mammoth apart and the cannon would swing out the front.
1: Yeah, it was very horrifying in the show, as (laughs) far as I remember.
0: In the toy, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. And I mean, but it was was very strange because yeah, Beast Wars season two and three came out as Beast Wars metals in Japan, and that was a totally separate thing. Hmm. This is often often a discussion that's had about Beast Wars masterpiece figures, in that people will often say, when are they going to do Transmetals? When are they going to do Transmetal 2s? When are they going to do Fusals? Mm. Because as Westerners, we consider those things to all be from the same show. Mm. Um, it seems like a natural progression, but I imagine to Takara it doesn't, because Beast Wars was just that first season.
1: And then it spread onto something completely different afterwards.
0: Yeah, the, They've not done any Beast Wars Metals masterpieces. They've only done ones from Beast Wars mm-hmm. and one from Beast Wars Second. Yeah. Uh, Leo Convoy. Who I know you're a big fan of. Oh yeah. I mean,
1: before I even watched any of Beast Wars the Second, and I mean to be fair, I haven't watched much of it. Mm-hmm. Something about Leo Convoy's design I, I just loved ever since seeing him for the first time. And I have his old toy and it's it's still so, so still so great. It's like...
0: Well, the the original toy or the... The original
1: toy, yeah. And every time they've done like a weird kind of half attempt at a Leo Convoy sense, it's like, it's not the same. I don't... <laughs> his lion head's not on his shoulder. That's where it's meant to be. And he's meant to look goofy and not asymmetrical.
0: Did you get the Robot Masters one?
1: I did get the Robot Masters one. The metallic version of it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a nice toy as well. I mean, uh, it's a... So it's not vastly dissimilar to the original, really. It's just it's just shrunk down. It's just, it's just the same thing. Yeah. I mean, recently I was I was watching something where they were talking about that these two shows have meant to are meant to be way way in the future of the Beast Wars G One timeline,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that when Primal, I mean, spoiler alert, at the end of season one of Beast Wars, when Primal gets blown up or yep. destroyed in that pod. Mm-hmm. Apparently he wasn't he wasn't destroyed and he was getting teleported away yeah. to the future shows and series and it was just like, well, okay, I need to go back now and come back to my timeline.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I haven't watched again, I haven't watched it all. I'm no expert. For anyone wants to watch it, it's all been fan by these guys mm. and it's on um it's on YouTube. It's all free to watch. It's it's very much uh, a kid show. It's very much a
1: <laughs> Japanese kid show. It's very yeah, yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. No. <laughs> uh, it's it's very melodramatic. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's
1: it's, cr- it's crazy. It's it's like the toys. It's so wacky and just yeah different than what was available at the time. So
0: yeah, I I tried to watch it and I I, I did enjoy it to a certain extent, but. <laughs> I think, I don't know if I could, could stick with it for the whole, the whole thing. The whole lot. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I'll try. So, yeah, I mean, Japan took a very different start to it, which is great though, because you got all those different figures from, uh, mm. from those lines. I mean, you know, a guy, a guy who controls time with a clock in his chest. <laughs> and of course they made Ravage for uh Beast Wars Metals. So, yeah. Whereas you, you never got him in the US and UK.
1: No, and it wasn't, even, it wasn't even the, it was the Tychotron repaint is the one I wanted.
0: Well, that was a, that was a BotCon exclusive, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite difficult to get hold of. I managed to get hold of a ravage. I don't have any more. But it had that like chest panel that opened up and you had, you got some stickers. You could either put like a, I think you could either put like a, a Decepticon logo or a picture of Megatron. <laughs> like, like it was some kind of screen or something. I might be misremembering this. I'll have to look it up. Orion Gear's memory is on point this time. Ravage, or Jaguar as he was known in Japan, had an opening chest which exposed a Predacon spark chamber. He was packaged with two extra stickers to be placed over the spark chamber as desired. One, a picture of G1 Megatron from the Golden Disk recording, and the other, a Decepticon insignia. It was um. Quite a heavy remold of the Transmetal Cheetor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he didn't turn into a tape. He turned into a into a panther. What was really nice is they remolded the arms so that he had spring loaded pistols, so he can quickly draw them. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was pretty cool that toy.
1: <laughs> My optics.
0: So I think you wanted to talk about the video game. Oh yes, yes.
1: Um, not sure. how I mean, people know that there was a Beast Wars <laughs> video game. <laughs> Two of them, in fact, on PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. The first one was very heavily influenced by Season 1 of Beast Wars. And it kind of just threw you into, like, um, a scavenger hunt type of game where you would have to meet certain objectives in order to take over a certain location that's overrun with drones from either side. Because you could you could also play as either Predacon or Maximal in it. hmm um but it was a horrible game visually game design it was not very good <laughs> and it had the worst voice acting in that game
0: yeah you you sent me some youtube videos of it and i did watch them and i don't understand why they used so the the trailer for the video game and the basically the opening um cut scene yeah. of the of the video game It's all lifted from the TV show. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it looks a little bit sketchier because it's on a PlayStation, um, but it's Mm -hmm. generally the animation from the show. So I don't understand how they got... Well, I don't understand why they went as far as to get the footage from the show, but not the voices. (laughs) Because they re-recorded all the voices really badly.
1: It doesn't even make sense in the terms of just... Um, you didn't need to bring the voice actors back. You could have just lifted yeah. the voices from episodes. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe it's something to do with royalties. Who knows? Maybe they didn't want to pay them. Maybe. But, like, not only that, the music was a kind of a rubbish attempt at doing yeah. the, the Beast Wars music. <laughs> I mean, the Beast, was, the Beast Wars music isn't amazing. It's all right. But it's it's fairly iconic now. Yeah. With that yeah. Beast Wars business. That's the only line in the in the entire in the entire song.
2: That's all, that's all you need. That's all. <laughs> it's
0: not Transformers robots in. It's just Beast Wars, and then some kind of roaring. Yep. And then some more Beast Wars. Regardless, they didn't even use that. They made like a kind of really cheap version, a cheap kind of facsimile of it.
1: Mm. I, I, it's painful when I think back when I played that game.
0: I think I've still got it. Yeah. I obviously never played it. Um, I had a PlayStation, well, I had friends who had Playstations, but we were busy playing uh, Bloody Raw 2 and Tekken and uh, things like that. We weren't going anywhere near Beast Wars games. I think I discovered it a lot later
1: on and I mm. just saw it very cheap and I bought, and I bought it yeah. and it was, it was not, <laughs> not what I thought it was going to be. At
0: all. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I did have a look at the. So you sent me a video of the second game. That looks a it was basically a straight fight. It beat him up, wasn't it?
1: It's was a straight be, um, straight fighting game. It was. I think that I couldn't find it anywhere. I don't think it was released here. Mm-hmm. But um, that seemed a lot better in terms of a show. I think the transmetal designs fit a game better, mm-hmm. um, especially from that era. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was interesting. It was one of those few times you had. A fighting mechanic where the alt mode helped you fight. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not you don't. I don't think they've really done it until this Transformers Devastation that came out a few years ago, where you could fight using your transformation. Yeah, because up until that point, transform, transforming was just to get you from A to B, and that was it.
0: Yeah, because you're not use it in the. um is it, is it is it is it called War for Cybertron?
1: War for Cybertron.
0: Or, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But even than that, it's not. It's more you're just, you're just shooting in ultimate, right. you know. Yeah,
0: okay. So, no, yeah, nothing, nothing particularly special. No. Yeah, look, it looked all right. I mean, I noticed that they got most of the voice actors in.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, not all of them. No. It was interesting that I think it was Black Arachne had a weird voice.
1: Yeah, it was, it was just... I, I, I don't understand why.
0: I'm glad they got some back. And there was a character called Wing Razor. Yes, That was a, like a, a slight repaint of a, a silverbolt. Mm-hmm. Odd, but okay, <laughs> fine. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seemed alright. I'm not a big em up fan anyway, but yeah, I'm sure that was all right. Certainly better than that first game. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I guess why I, why I wanted to bring it up is that it's not something that's really been revisited in sense the show. Because it was crap. Well, because of <laughs> crap. But with the new blood brought into the Beast Wars type of franchise, it'd be interesting to do a game now.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. Updated. Well, that's, this, this kind of leads us on to what I wanted to talk about, like to wrap this up really, because like we are now on the brink of Beast Wars returning. Mm-hmm. It's been a very long time coming. There's basically not been any serious attempt at revisiting Beast Wars between like 2001 and now, really. Yeah,
1: no, it's just been the odd
0: repaint. Or the odd character in a show that is far more G1-influenced overall, generally. There's been a huge drought, as it were, in Beast Wars stuff. And now we've got them coming back Mm -hmm both in Masterpiece form and now in Kingdom. I suppose I would, wanted to ask you, like, what do you think the appetite is there for more Beast Wars? Uh, yes,
1: I do. I think it's been a long enough time where people like yourself may have disliked it to be from the get-go, but have mm-hmm. now either been brought into the toys or has seen the old show or has seen enough of the old show to see what people like about it yeah and are kind of more on board for seeing more of it yeah it's because the new upcoming show kingdom i don't think that it's necessarily going to be um they're going to have so much of an impact on the show but i think it might them being in the show will have more of an impact on seeing more beast wars in the future
0: yeah and i think them being Pretty much the focus of the toy line helps as well. Yeah. Because you've got two big anniversaries happening at the moment. You've got Beast Wars being 25 and Transformers a movie being 35. Yeah. Yeah. To commemorate that, what Hasbro have done is gone, right, well, we're, we're going to make the War for Cybertron line Beast Wars and we're going to make the studio series 86 movie. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's really great and I think that that may, may pull, pull more people in. I'm not super interested in Kingdom as a line just because I'm collecting the Masterpiece stuff. They're a little bit too similar to that. They're, they're using the kind of Season 1 designs and I don't, I don't need that. But I'm really pleased it's happening because it will hopefully mean more Beast Wars stuff going forward. I mean, I've been collecting Masterpiece since it began. And so many years, I thought they couldn't—they would never, ever make Masterpiece Beast Wars toys. <laughs> and I am blown away that they have. Was
1: it a big deal that they made the Beast Wars Primal to begin with?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> no, I couldn't believe it when they announced it. I was like, yes, <laughs> for so long. I've been like, G1's great, but does Masterpiece have to be just G1? I I love G One. I love a load loads of G One characters, you know. But there's so much more within the franchise that you can that you can do. At the time that they started doing Masterpiece, it was the people who were going to be the right age with the right amount of disposable income to spend on this stuff were going to be people who liked G One. So it made perfect sense that when they started the line, what 15 years ago, wherever it was. That they concentrate on that. But we're now, as we just discussed, hitting the 25th anniversary of Beast Wars. So the kids who are 11 or 12 or 13 or whatever watching Beast Wars, they're now in their 30s and 40s. Is that right? Hang on. Yeah. 30s heading on to 40s. And they've got they've probably got the money to spend on it. So it's it's brilliant that they've done it. So do you think that that would introduce uh, the
1: possibility for other series to make a, have a masterpiece representation yeah i think so it definitely seems to be reflected in the fans because there was a lot more third party masterpiece beast wars figures
0: happening yeah for a long time that wasn't happening mm, so that is interesting the third party scene was g1 and idw for the longest time really And idw is essentially a, a kind of spiced up version of g1 Mm. But yeah, it's amazing that, I mean, that, that transmetal Megatron that I've got. Like I said, not the first time, and certainly not the last. Orion Gear is referring to Zhang Xing Metal Beast 01 Winged Dragon, a show accurate, arguably masterpiece scale, third party version of Transmetal 2 Megatron. <laughs> Whoa, I can't believe that someone's made this. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing that it's a bloody great big dragon megatron it's huge it was pretty expensive and it sold and people liked it and you know it did well yeah and you wouldn't have thought that could happen 10 years ago i wouldn't it? it would be it would seem like an impossible thing
1: i would probably have guessed more of a some armada figures being made before that but no mm. it's, it's 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 interesting that you put you have that spin on it it's I think that's probably what it does come down to, that it's about who has the disposable income at the right time in order to push these type of figures out. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I agree. It's all about making money, isn't it? So they've got to have the people to sell stuff too. So yeah, maybe in another 10 years time, all the Armada fans or Robots in Disguise fans will be hitting that right age and uh, we'll be getting masterpieces of those.
1: I hope I don't have to wait that long for that armor I keep seeing. <laughs> <laughs> My optics! Do you think in the future then, for the brand itself, mm-hmm. do you think we'll see more animal transformers and even more organic looking animal transformers?
0: I think it's gonna have to depend it's gonna depend on how well Kingdom sells. Okay. The skeptic in me says no but who knows i mean <laughs> i didn't think that they'd go quite as full on beast wars as they have with kingdom as they as they have when the rumors started to kind of kick around about the third bit of um of war for cybertron including beast wars i was like oh they'll probably just chuck primal and megatron in there or something or it, you know it will be a kind of like here's your Beast Wars characters and a bunch more G1. Mm. And I was very impressed that they went full on. They went, no, 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 we're going to do pretty much the whole cast.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true. It's quite, it's the first time they've really done that. Because, yeah, you're right, it's normally just a handful.
0: And even when they have redone Beast Wars characters, they've been very lacklustre. Mm. Yeah, the 10th anniversary line, and they did, they did a new Megatron and a new... Primal and they were rubbish. <laughs> well, Megatron was kind of okay, but Primal was very strange. It was his face. It was the monkey face. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think even that's probably what my mindset was as well because they did it, they did it in the previous trilogy. And they just kind of shoehorned Optimus Primal in at the end, and it was it wasn't
0: <laughs> Optimus prime <laughs> Yeah, and it was only he was only in it because he won a fan vote. Yeah, yeah, that too. And it wasn't that great looking toy, to be honest. It's not. Good. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather have the original. Yeah, my it's recently recently been announced that they're doing uh, reissues of uh, some of the Beast Wars toys. You Primal, Megatron, Rat Trap, Sheetal. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Just four. Yeah, just four. And they've they seem to have rediscovered the Rat Trap mold, which is. Uh, you know, a bit of a surprise. A lot, lot of people were saying that the original season one Rat Trap, the mould had been lost, which was why when they did the tenth anniversary reissues, it was Transmetal Rat Trap that you got.
1: Oh, okay. I think that's the one I had. It was the the anniversary one.
0: Yeah, because in that line, you they there were more show accurate repaints of those characters, but there were mostly season one, except rat trap i think according to some of the people in the know on the internet the mold got destroyed but hey rat trap's back Woohoo. <laughs> exactly did they backwards engineer him or did they find a the mold down the back of the sofa
1: i mean it might explain why he's 10 quid more and <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> being priced as uh a deluxe Cheeto, but i mean
0: i think you'll find he's a mega a, me- a mega <laughs> Yeah, um on the boxes and the boxes look great. They're like the old the proper old boxes for these reissues, so they're going to it's going to look like the original toys, which is cool. Mm. But on the back you've got pictures of the other figures in the line and you've got <laughs> you've got Megatron and Optimus and they they're correctly referred to as Ultras. <laughs> and then on the other side, you've got Cheetor and Rattrap, who are both being referred to as Megas. Now <laughs> me- no, those one of them was a basic and the other one was a deluxe. <laughs> These aren't mega scale, um, but hey, who cares? No,
1: so it's, it's it's nice that they're even doing it, and I think it'd be it'd be nice if they did other characters that probably were a bit more sought after, like the rat trap stuff, like Inferno or Scorpion. So, the other, the other. Bigger characters that either couldn't people couldn't find or they're always missing pieces or stuff.
0: Yeah. It would be really good for collectors if they were to reissue some of the transmetals because most people's transmetals are falling to pieces.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize until I went back and I looked through some of my old toy boxes because of recently of our mm. recent discussion of our toy collections, it it dawned on me that I had a, a few multiples of different characters. And it's probably because I just bought beast wars lots and i just bought a whole bunch and just put uh weapons on the one that looked the best so there is a few that i have that are literally falling apart or the chrome is just like disintegrating as we speak
0: yeah (laughs) and then there was also the um gold plastic syndrome as well Um, oh yeah (laughs) so so it'd be really nice if has i mean i don't i don't expect them to but it'd be nice if hasbro were to do a few more reissues than just these four. I don't think they will. I think this is just a one-off. But, fingers crossed, hey, Fingers
1: crossed. It's nice, I th- hopefully, that this kingdom does
0: well to make them think that they can do stuff like that.
2: <laughs>
0: right, I think that about covers it. Well, I don't, actually. Um, sure, there's loads we missed out. Um, but with Beast Wars, it's such a big topic that uh, we could probably talk about this for hours. We hope we didn't miss anything massively important, out. and if you enjoyed our ramblings, please do like and subscribe, or do whatever is needed to show your appreciation. This is our first slightly longer, broader discussion podcast. Uh, we'll be doing more of these in addition to the review shows, so if you have any suggestions for future topics, please do not be shy. You can contact us on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Gear Orion, and... Orion underscore gear respectively. And Dave, what how how can they contact you?
1: Um you can find me on Instagram, just search virtualdave26.
0: Excellent. Right. That's it. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next time on AG My Optics!